to the Proverbs 910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. Today we're continuing in our series, Real Truth About Real Stuff. In this episode, we're going to delve into the Name It and Claim It movement. This is a movement that millions of Christians, pastors, and entire churches are practicing and preaching. Maybe you have even believed it yourself at one point, or maybe you're still believing it. And Chris, I have to admit, when you first suggested doing this topic, I wasn't sure if there was really an audience for it. But as often happens, God has shown me that I don't really know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I don't always either, but once in a while I have a good idea. (laughs) In the past couple months, I've had this subject put in my face by several people. And I've seen it being practiced. Some of the people I've encountered are questioning it. Some were wondering about it, hoping it actually works. Mm. And then there were some who were concerned about people around them who are immersed in it. So I agree with you that this is an important topic to talk about. Well, yeah, and it would be great if it worked. But for those listening who aren't familiar with the Name It and Claim It movement, it's also known as the Prosperity Gospel. We'll give you a quick education on it and some big names that peddle it. So let's start with the definition. We should note that those who practice it find this label derogatory and insulting. They prefer it to be called word of faith. But there are some who are really derogatory and call it the blab it and grab it movement. (laughs) That's a new one. I hadn't heard that until recently. But the movement was popularized by Kenneth Hagin, a Pentecostal preacher from Texas in 1934. After he said that he was raised from his deathbed by a revelation of faith in God's word after reading Mark 11 verses 23 and 24. In Mark 11, 23 to 24, Jesus is speaking with his disciples and he says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Chris, this is a popular verse that the name and claim it people throw out there. And we're going to look at this verse very closely in a bit. But first, let's continue looking at Hagen and others in the Word of Faith movement. Uh, Hagen went on to teach faith healing and founded the Rima Bible Church and Rima Bible Training College. His church was moderately famous around the state for their insanely large and expensive Christmas light display, but not really notable for anything else. Hagen authored scores of booklets teaching how the Holy Spirit could make you rich, healthy, and quote-unquote anointed with spiritual gifts if you would just have enough faith to quote, name it and claim it. And the gist of the name it and claim it is that the Bible contains numerous promises from God to believers. But before these promises can be activated, the believer has to claim the promise. These promises may include healing from disease, exorcism of evil spirits, power to engage in spiritual warfare against Satan, or various supernatural gifts supposedly from the Holy Spirit. They will often use, as we said, Mark 11, 23 to 24, but they also use Romans 10, 13, which says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they use Isaiah 53, 5, which says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And again, we're going to look at these verses more closely in a few minutes. 
the name it and claim it prosperity gospel word of faith movement or whatever name you want to give it is huge in charismatic churches some of these churches are pretty small but there are some that are huge and well known let's start with a name we probably all know joel osteen joel osteen's tv show draws 10 million viewers an episode he is best known for his mantra live your best life now when we went on Joel Osteen's website, we found a list of beliefs. One of them says, and I quote, The entire Bible is inspired by God without error and the authority on which we base our faith, conduct, and doctrine. Well, Chris, that sounds like a solid statement of belief. But then, on the same statement of beliefs, there's one that says, and again, I'm quoting, As children of God, we are overcomers and more than conquerors. And God intends for each of us to experience the abundant life he has in store for us. Being more than conquerors is a huge pull up your bootstraps and take on the world belief that's rampant in Christianity. Even in Christian music, you're an overcomer. I'm a warrior. I could go on, but I digress. Let's finish looking at those practicing this stuff before we see how it all stands up against scripture. Okay. Another one is Bethel Church in Redding, California. This is a big time word of faith church. They have almost 12,000 members in their church. If the name Bethel sounds familiar, that's because this is where Bethel music hails from. Here's what their website says. First, on the main page is the statement, it's all about God's presence. Then it goes on to say, worship creates a space for us to experience the tangible presence of our good father. We believe it's what we're all created for. And a third thing among many that struck us is that under Bill Johnson's biography, and he's the leader of the church, he's quoted as saying, what's the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? If it exists there, it's supposed to exist here. In other words, Mr. Johnson thinks that earth should be as fabulous as heaven. And again, we'll get to how that stands up to scripture. Hmm. But there's another guy, Joseph Prince. He's of Hillsong Church. Yes, that's the same Hillsong that puts out tons of music. Some of the music pretty good, I admit. But Joseph Prince and Hillsong are steeped in the name it and claim it movement. He has millions of followers and best-selling books that teach there's actual healing power in Holy Communion hmm. and that Jesus didn't die for his believers to live a life of defeat. They need to claim their righteousness and live victoriously. Here are two beliefs from his website, and I'm quoting. One, the Bible is God's word. It is inspired and accurate. It is our perfect guide in all matters of life. Okay, and two, God wants to transform, heal, and provide for us so that we can live blessed and victorious lives that will impact and help others. Yeah, I, it's obvious there's a trend here. Yeah. Let's look at just a couple more. Benny Hinn's website says that this week's blessing is from Exodus 15, 26, which says, For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Benny Hinn claims to have spoken to over one billion people with three of his crusades in India having an attendance over seven million. He has spoken all over the world. As his website says, when Pastor Hinn conducts great miracle services, souls are saved, bodies are healed, and lives are changed forever. 
Hinn started his faith healing movement in 1974 after he says he received a vision of people falling into a roaring inferno and hearing God say to him, if you do not preach, every soul that falls will be your responsibility. On December 1974, four days after his 22nd birthday, Benny Hinn stood behind a pulpit to preach the gospel. His lifelong stuttering problems suddenly healed. And from that moment, he would fearlessly seek to fulfill the Lord's great commission. Hinn claims that he miraculously heals people of whatever ailment or infirmary they have, if they just have enough faith. Well, let's finish up spotlighting these Word of Faith people with some not-so-well-known names. People who are just like us. People who live in our neighborhood. First, Chris, I saw a meme on a site called Christian Truth. And the meme said... Think it into existence, speak it into existence, write it into existence, work it into existence. Hashtag like a boss. A church that's less than 10 miles from us has as one of its belief, along with the Bible being inerrant, inspired, and the ultimate authority, and here's, I'm quoting, we value and acknowledge the person and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is still speaking in our day through prophetic gifts and intervenes tangibly in our lives through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Bible is the final authority on all matters of faith and practice, yet through the Holy Spirit, we still hear the voice of God speaking today. And finally, a professor at the University of Texas tells her students every semester, and I'm quoting, speak it into existence and you may get what you wish for. It's a cliche, but it actually works. One of 4-0 this semester? Speak it into existence. Feeling down and need a good day? Speak it into existence. Giving it all towards a job promotion? Speak it into existence. Chris, why didn't they just tell me I could have spoken a 4-0 into existence earlier? I don't know. I could have saved a lot of studying. <laughs> I don't know, Rose. I don't have an answer for that, except that it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I think it's time to start putting this stuff up against scripture and see how it measures up. Uh, let's start with the verse we mentioned that are used by a lot of Word of Faith movement people. Mark 11, 23 and 24. Romans 10, 13 and Isaiah 53, 5. Let's start with the Mark passage. Just as a reminder what the passage says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he said will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. When you use these couple of verses as a standalone, it does sound like Jesus is making an absolute claim to ask and you shall receive. But is he? It would take the entire episode to lay out the exposition of these two verses, but I assure you, we have spent the time doing it. But what we want to show you is the last step in studying scripture, and that's to line it up with other verses of scripture. So, Jesus says, whatever you ask for. Well, let's line that up with some other scripture. James 4, 2-3, which says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And then there's 1 John 5, 14, which says, This is the confidence which we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the request made of him. So the whatever has to mean whatever lines up with God's will, like these verses confirm. It can't mean anything else. 
It can't because God is unable to do anything that opposes his will. And as we say, as we always say, think things through to their logical conclusion. If it's not truth, it will either fall apart or it will be exposed as false. So if whatever, quote unquote, literally means whatever, would that mean that if you ask for something sinful, you'd get it? If I ask for something that wasn't spiritually good for me, will I get it? The answer to both of those is no. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. As painful as it might be, it may not be for your spiritual good to be healed of an ailment or to have wealth. In those cases, it doesn't matter how much you believe it or how much quote-unquote faith you have or don't have or how much you believe you're going to get it. God is not going to give it to you. So what do we always get when we ask for? Anything that's according to God's will. So Chris, let's move on to Isaiah 53, 5. And just a reminder, it says, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds were healed. Most of you probably know this is a prophecy about Jesus' crucifixion and his taking our sin and God's wrath so that we could be forgiven by God. And the name it and claim it people don't deny that, but they claim that the last line, by his wounds we are healed, is talking about physical healing of all ailments and infirmities, as well as being healed of everything in our life that was broken. And again, we don't have the time to present all the exposition of this, but nowhere in any other place in scripture does it say that by Jesus' wounds we're healed physically, emotionally, or that our life will be fixed. What it does say is that our sin condition that keeps us separated from God and under his wrath has been healed by Jesus' wounds because those wounds and his death satisfy the penalty we should pay for our sin. Okay, how about Romans 10, 13? All who call on the name of the Lord are saved. When put in context, this verse means that all believers are equal in the eyes of God. All who sincerely believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior are saved. But the name it and claim it movement has taken this verse to mean that anything someone is in need of, not just salvation, can be earned by simply claiming it in the name of the Lord. They use this along with other passages taken wildly out of context, like Deuteronomy 28, 1-14, which is a list of blessings God promised to the Israelites if they obeyed His commands. A passage that is part of the law, which we're not any longer under. But these guys claim that these promises are for us. Our enemies will be defeated. We'll have prosperity, notoriety because we're God's chosen people. We'll have wealth, etc., etc. And of course, while they're quick to claim the blessings from the Old Testament law, even when they don't apply to us, they completely ignore the part of the law that promises curses for right. disobedience. Okay, let's look at some let's look at each of the big names we looked at and since they all claim that the Bible is an errant, inspired and the ultimate authority, let's see how what they claim lines up with scripture. Let's start with Joel Osteen who claims we're meant to live our best lives now. Okay, Joel, how does your belief that as children of God, we are overcomers and more than conquerors, and God intends for each of us to experience that abundant life that he has in store for us. Line up with scripture. Philippians 4 verses 11 and 12 say, 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul goes on to say the secret that he has found to living in any circumstances is to rely on the sovereignty of God. Before God brought Paul to salvation in Jesus, Paul was a big deal. He was well known. He was respected. He was moderately wealthy. He was a Pharisee. After Paul and all the other apostles came to faith in Jesus and devoted their life to preaching the gospel, they were beaten, stoned, starved, spit on, imprisoned, shipwrecked, and ultimately killed. Well, that certainly doesn't seem to line up with Joel Osteen's and others' belief. That wasn't their best life now. I I don't think so. I hope not. I hope not too. And if you question people about this, they will say that Paul and the other apostles who experienced much of the same thing didn't have enough faith. That's where they always go to. But again, think this through to its logical conclusion. If the apostles who spent three years physically with Jesus and Paul who had a personal encounter with Jesus and who all were given direct orders from Jesus to go into the world didn't have enough faith, is there any hope that we could possibly have enough faith to activate this stuff into our life? How could we have enough faith for God to give us the abundant life? The answer is no. (laughs) A big no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what they, they use that line to blame people when their miracles don't happen for them. They say, it's your fault. You didn't have enough faith. That's right. So let's see how Mr. Johnson and Bethel Church line up with what the Bible says. Bill Johnson and Bethel Church claim, what's the will of God? On earth as it is in heaven. If it exists there, it's supposed to exist here. Like we said, Mr. Johnson thinks earth should be as fabulous as heaven. Well, God and scripture would beg to differ. Let's start with the very simple verse in John 16, 33, which says, In this world you will have tribulation or trouble. Compare that to what Revelation 21, which says what it will be like when Jesus comes back and heaven will come down to earth. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The Bible clearly makes a contrast between this sinful, broken world that we live in now and heaven. Nowhere does it even hint that earth should be as good as heaven. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 says just the opposite. Paul says in 4 verse 17, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And Chris, how about Joseph Prince's claim that God wants to transform, heal, and provide for us so that we can live blessed and victorious lives that will impact and help others? I'm not sure who sold Prince this list of God's priorities for us, but he got swindled. He did. Because scripture makes it very clear that God's main purpose for his people is that he be glorified and that we be sanctified to be more like Jesus. Colossians chapter 3 spells it out, but I'll just read a couple verses from it. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, 
sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving one another. And because of time, we don't have time to go into the detail refuting Benny Hinn, but we could use any of the verses we already mentioned to refute him. In fact, his nephew, Costi Hinn, who grew up working in Benny Hinn's movement, became a Christian, left, and now regularly exposes his uncle and all the works within that organization as frauds. He even wrote a book, which we recommend, called Defining Deception, and he tells all about it in that book. It's a great read. Time's getting short, so we want to end with some red flags we can look for to know when someone's teaching garbage. That's a good idea. The first thing we need to look at is, is what they're teaching biblically accurate? We just showed you how those we mentioned aren't teaching things that line up with scripture. But beyond that, there are a lot of other signs when someone's a false teacher. Go to their website, read or listen to their sermons or teaching. What's their main focus? Is it to glorify God and teach his word? Or is it to glorify themselves and either making money or gather a large following? Or is it about you? (laughs) You know? Right. Here's something we noticed about Joyce Meyer's website, who, by the way, claims that she believes the word of God is accurate and infallible. She has a tab on her website where she answers questions people may have for her. There are only five questions. Three are about her TV show, one about her honorary PhD, which she received, and one about which Bible does Joyce use. The answer to this last question is given as the Holy Bible. Is there another one? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Go figure. But then underneath has a link to buy the Joyce Meyer Study Bible. Not one question is there about salvation, Jesus, or sin. I was blown away by that. Yeah, I am too. On all of the people we mentioned and many others' websites, one glaring thing becomes obvious. 50% of their page is about them, what they do, how God is using them, and how many people they've saved. 45%, and these are rough estimates, but 45% of their pages is about money. Things you can buy, ways to donate, causes you might want to contribute to. And then 5%, and that's probably pretty generous, is quoted scripture. But the scripture quoted are all one-liners used to justify the other other 95% of their content. I have a question. If all of these people are being used by God to tell people they can have a fully healed, abundant life, why aren't they in hospitals or in the poorest neighborhoods in the country instead of on a stage in a huge auditorium collecting money? Where were they during the coronavirus pandemic? That's a good question. So, Rose, one article we read had a good take on believing that if you have enough faith, you can have whatever you ask God for. It said that to believe this would basically mean that all you need to do is engage in magical thinking to have the good Lord shower you with worldly goods and success. This falls under Christian mysticism, which we discussed in detail in episode 32 called The Power of Suggestion. Yep. And Chris, you know I'm not a fan of memes. I really hate them. But I did see one that I shared on social media, and it's worth repeating. It said, there's two kinds of pastors, those who teach the Bible and those who need to resign. 
Yeah, and that's a good place to end for today. Thanks for tuning in. We hope we've given you some things to think about and have armed you to refute a lot of the garbage that's out there being peddled as Christian. As always, feel free to leave comments, questions, or feedback you may have on any of our social media pages or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you like what you hear, please also consider giving us a review on your podcast platform. Have a blessed day. 